is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. Hello, hello, Michelle Stanley with you. No cricket today with rain hitting the SCG, but of course if play does resume, I will take you back there. While you're with me though, on the show we'll check in with a hay grower in Catherine who's pretty happy with the wet season so far. We had 130 mil here just before New Year's. Um, We've had about an inch of rain every day since, but leading up to that as well, we were sort of getting anywhere from 10 mils to an inch every day, but even with an inch overnight by 9 o'clock in the morning, this country was right to get back on and we could keep seeding. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later today also. I'm on Smoko! So leave me alone, I'm on Smoko! Yeah, we're going to talk about Smoko. I need to hear from you on 0499-0487-991057. What is your go-to smoko? 0487-991057. What is your go-to smoko? Homebrand fruitcake's my favourite for smoko. I'd say banana and walnut cake and always tea and coffee with it. Well, I'm a bit of a hungry gut of bugger, so they're all pretty good. I guess if something came out in the would be a hot corn beef sandwich. A hot corn beef sandwich. Let me know this afternoon. Let's have a bit of fun on this Friday. When you sit down, you're taking your first break for the day. You've been out in the yards, fixing fences, it's hot and sweaty, and you get back to the homestead for your first break. What are you hoping for from your smoko? 0487 991057. Let me know this afternoon. What are you having for smoko? First this afternoon, though, ex-tropical cyclone Ellie has continued to drop heavy falls over the north of Western Australia. Broome received 117 millimetres in the past 24 hours. Country Downs, it's on the West Kimberley coast north of Broome. It had 63 mils, which brings it to just shy of 600 mils for the week. Around the Fitzroy Valley, the rainfall has eased, but there are still some parts of the river rising downstream. Evacuations have continued from communities and pastoral stations. Some livestock has not been able to be saved. WA's Emergency Services Minister Stephen Dawson says funding will be made available for those who have lost cattle. There are many people who've lost either livelihoods or livestock over the past few days and that is tragic and to see pictures of animals being hurt uh, is not something that I like and so you know it's deeply distressing for many people. Uh, we have been working with the Kimberley uh, Pilbara Cattlemen's Association, uh, listening to them who have been uh, liaising with their members on the various stations and we'll work with them over the um, I guess the weeks and months ahead. Uh, Minister Jackie Jarvis, the State Minister for Agriculture has also been assisting us with our work and so she will have that main uh, interaction uh, with those pastoralists but certainly it is, it is very distressing uh, and it's challenging for people to see what is going on and we will work with them. Uh, there are some funding packages that will be uh, released over days to come between the, the state and the Commonwealth and some of those will provide some assistance to those people who have lost uh, stock or other things during the flooding. That's WA's Emergency Services Minister Stephen Dawson. The government has also announced a new arrangement to ensure supplies can get through to the north of WA. Regulations have been loosened 
to allow bigger trucks to travel through South Australia into the Northern Territory and then over to Northern WA. Centurion Transport is one company with trucks already on the road. Operations Manager Spencer Dewar says the first trucks should arrive into Kununurra via the NT this afternoon. Yeah, so we, we dispatched the first double road train on Tuesday night, another one on Wednesday night, and then we were fortunate enough to work with the government agencies and jurisdictions along with main roads to get access to do the triple road train. So our first triple left Coolgardie early hours this morning and is um, currently out along the Nullarbor on the way to South Australia to then go via Northern Territory um, and then back down to Kununurra. So we'll be up there this afternoon with the first double road train service and then um, over the weekend with the triple road trains that we've now got underway. How much further is that for your trucks to get around from their usual route to the Kimberley? Okay, so n- n- normally we'll, we'll get there in about 42 hours, so um, there's a bit of a, a ballpark. Um, so that's just a 6,500 kilometre round trip. The way that we're going, we're 10,600 kilometres. Um, so it's a three-day trek for the, the two up teams to, uh, to get there unload and then uh, another three days back, back home again and on top of that we with the triple road trains we've got our dog runs where we get the third trailer out to Coolgardie so that's a 550 kilometre leg for the drivers to um, get to that point as well. Wow so a huge increase in uh, in the distance and the time as well that's got to be expensive. It, it c- c- certainly is yeah there's sig- significant cost increases um, and, and a lot of extra um, time that the equipment's on the on the road for the refrigeration equipment, which um, is what all the perishable products are transported in as well. Any idea just how much more it's going to cost to be able to to get supplies into the Kimberley? We're probably looking at um, slightly more, more than double the the normal cost. That the kilometres are are almost double. Um, as I said, that dog run cost to Coolgardie versus just to Woburn um, is an extra 290 kilometres each way. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of extra work involved for for um, for everything on the road. Does that come out of your bottom line or does that get passed on to the people on the other end? I mean, who foots that bill? Yeah, well, un- unfortunately that, that's passed on. Um, and then I suppose it's the, the customers then to work with government agencies and and see what can be possibly recovered in through through that angle. And what kinds of things are you trying to get up to the Kimberley at the moment? So we, we, we're supplying um, all, all the communities in, in that area. It's, it's a lifeline of the Kimberley. Um, it's everyone's food from Fitzroy to Halls Creek to, to Kununurra and everywhere in between. Um, Fitzroy is completely cut off. We, we've got um, food being flown out of Broome the, this morning. Um, We've got a couple of ro- a road train going to the airport to to get loaded up, and then on our road services is is what we're putting into um, Halls Creek and Kununurra is is where we're heading to with the trucks that are on the road at the moment. It's obviously a huge amount of rainfall in the Kimberley, but the Territory has received a fair bit as well, and I believe the Stewart Highway still has sections that are underwater and only passable for um, you know the the four-wheel drive and heavy vehicles. Is that a concern for you, for your trucks? I mean, there's also more rain on the way to the Territory. Could you end up getting stuck here? That, that's high on the cards. It was closed for a few days earlier in the week, um, 
and we, we've just got four hourly updates that we get out to the to the drivers and also um, internally just to hopefully keep ahead of anything that might might be going on and keeping a pretty close close eye on the the weather bureau and hopefully the information there is is accurate that helps us make the right decisions. Do you have contingency plans in place ready to put into action if that does happen and, and you do get cut off? Uh, unfortunately, once we're cut off at that point, then we're, we're, we're not moving anywhere. I suppose the only contingency we have is, is just having additional drivers in, in the area. Um, we've got guys based in Kununurra that are able to come and meet the services if, if we need to and do the local deliveries to get to, um, down to Halls Creek and the other locations that we need to get to as well. It's a huge effort getting anything up um, to the Kimberley, let alone via South Australia and, and the Territory. How many more uh, vehicles can Territorians expect to see on the highways here trying to get into the Kimberley? Yes, yeah, so we're looking at sending, I would think, one service a night. Um, there might be a couple early next week, every night as well, just to try and build those food supplies back up to, to, to the regions. Um, and... Yeah, we need to wait and see what we're going to ha do with Fitzroy as to whether we're going to continue to fly product um, into the community via Broome or whether they're going to look at other avenues there as well. We've seen a lot of photo and video coming from Fitzroy of the amount of water and it's starting to recede. The damage looks pretty significant. Is there any understanding within the industry just how long this kind of damage could take to fix and how long the road network could be impacted? Yeah, so there's a bit of talk that that, that bridge through Fitzroy Crossing um, could be out of action for up, up to a year. I'm not, not sure of the, the detail behind that, but it looks like significant damage that, that's occurred there. So, yeah, going through the town of Fitzroy to reach the East Pilbara at this point in time is, is not an option for us, even when the water does recede. And potentially there will be detours and, and ways to get around it. But is that particularly difficult for, you know, not just a, a light vehicle, but a, a quad or a, a triple or, a you know, a, a double that you're trying to send through? I mean, could it really be months and, and potentially a year that you're unable to get across the Kimberley in that on Great Northern Highway? And unfortunately, the, the only access is, is through that one, one road, um, through Fitzroy, uh, unless the the old bridge was reinstated or there was a temporary access put in place, but a, as it is, there is there is only one way, which is the bridge that's been aff affected. So potentially, you could st still be sending trucks to the Kimberley via South Australia and the Northern Territory for months to come. Yeah, that, that's potentially where we're at. Yes. Goodness, we're only really at the start of the the wet season just at the start of January often the north of WA continues to see systems come through you know into uh, February even March is that a concern for you it, it, it is yep most most certainly as you've said we're we're only just into the wet season we've had one cyclone which has had a significant amount of rain it's just sat there and hasn't moved and drenched the communities for for days and days and yet the end result is this already so Unfortunately, the, the worst might be yet to come. Thank you so much for your time on the Country Hour this afternoon. It's great to catch up. No problems. Thank you very much. That's Spencer Dewar. He's the General Manager of Transport Operations with Centurion. Sending trucks, now they're able to get triples through uh, from Perth via uh, South Australia 
and the Territory into the East Kimberley. They've had regulations loosened to allow those triples to get through. Um, and also yesterday you heard from Camille Camp out at Calyeda Station in the Fitzroy Valley who had uh, evacuated due to floodwaters um, kind of getting quite close to their property. Um, she's just posted on Instagram that she's heading home. Um, they think the rev- river levels peaked last night and fingers crossed they've started dropping. Um, so she said there hasn't been any water damage to the houses, which is a huge relief to them. So hopefully some relief on the way to those people in the Kimberley. And of course, we'll keep an eye on ex-tropical cyclone Ellie as she makes her way back to the Territory. The Stewart Highway is open with caution um, because of the flood water and damage. Of course, a lot may change, so make sure you're checking the Roads Report NT website for all of the latest on that road. It's 17 to 1 on the Country Hour. Let's have some music from Geordie Lane. It's called For Everyone. It's Geordie Lane and Yerimal. It's called For Everyone, 13 to 1. G'day, this is Dan Richards from Humpty Doo Barramundi. When I can, I like to tune in to the NT Country Hour. Michelle Stanley with you this afternoon. Time now, as we do at the beginning of every month, to check in on the aquifer levels. Adrian Costa is with the Department of Environment. Adrian, there's been a lot of rain in the Darwin region over the last two weeks. What's that meant for aquifers in the rural area? Yeah, look, there certainly has. I mean, we've experienced rainfall right from October. Um, The first part of December was uh, fairly dry, but obviously since the um, tropical cyclone hit, um, we've had a lot of uh, rain. Uh, In fact, um, we're now uh, the wettest wet season to date out of 82 recorded seasons. And so that has translated to the aquifers and um, the Darwin rural area um, is experienced on average almost two metres of rise. So that's pretty significant. Yeah, that's huge. And the dam has built this week as well, the the Darwin uh, Dam. It has. Um, it reached 100% capacity and is now spilling. That was, I think, Wednesday night, according to Parham Waters data. So, um, yeah, that's certainly uh, spilling and, and obviously that's a controlled spill, um, but it might mean that um, river levels uh, rise quite rapidly in Darwin River. Do you have any idea just how much water there is and, and there has been? Yeah, look, um, I don't have the uh, the volumes on me. I mean, that's something that Parramatta Water can particularly uh, comment on. But what I can say is that we we last spilled in around about March last year, 2022. Um, we did uh, hit levels um, that were quite low, below 50 percent, around 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 about mid December, 2020. Um, and that was on the back of two very poor wet seasons. So, um, you know, things are looking pretty good at the moment. But as we know, um, you know, they can get fairly dire, which happened, you know, um, only a couple of years ago. Yeah, it seems to have turned around quite significantly, but I guess it can always turn back, can't it? That's right, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, it's pretty pretty exciting to see this spill again this year. Um, but, um, yeah, we just need to be all mindful of our use because, as we know, as we head into the dry season, you know, this year, which is obviously three or four months away, um, we're typically in a drought, you know, for those six or seven months of the year. Yeah. Do you expect the aquifers to start to overflow soon? That's right. So the system that we have here doesn't have a lot of storage capacity, which means that they fill up and then they spill. And so they will spill off into the drainage lines and waterways that we have. So look, um, I think we're some way from that, but 
considering we're sort of, you know, even a third through the wet season, um, there's a fair bit to go. Of course, if we, you know, don't have a lot of rain from here on in, then uh, obviously that, those will um, stabilise. But if we continue to have rain, which is, uh, you know, the wet season runs until the end of uh, April, well, they will start to spill over. But we, we haven't seen that so far. How are things looking in Catherine? Yeah, look, uh, they had a fairly big um, uh, wet uh, November. Um, they've had sort of moderate rainfall since then. Um, certainly uh, the aquifer down there has a lot of storage capacity and that has begun to rise as well. Um, so we are seeing that, that rise, but they haven't had the sort of extent of weather that we've had up here in Darwin um, and also towards the Victoria River and Barclay regions. Um, and uh, we know that, um, you know, that, that tropical low uh, will actually head southeast from that Victoria River region into the Alice Springs area, maybe around this weekend. So, um, yeah, yeah, so look, we're hoping that Catherine gets a little bit more, but they have had a fairly good start um, given they had the November and some moderate rainfall since then. Um, but hopefully that continues. Yeah, we are keeping an eye on ex-tropical cyclone early. We've obviously been hearing from uh, from the Kimberley in WA with a lot of water over there. Um, mm. But it, it, we are also expecting some heavy rainfall in the central or in Central Australia, um, do you have any sort of thoughts or, or eyes on that part of the, the world? Yeah, look, we certainly do. Uh, we have eyes on um, Todd River um, and we've actually deployed a resource. Uh, we have resources down there, but we've deployed another resource to the area um, earlier this week um, because we, you know, we need to keep on top of our monitoring systems and also uh, advise of any sort of flooding that might happen in the region. So, look, we are expecting some weather systems to come across around about Saturday and I guess as the weekend progresses, we'll know um, where that lies. Adrian Costa, thanks for your time on the Country Hour today. Yeah, great to be with you. He's the Acting Executive Director of Water Resources with the Department of Environment. Check in with him every month at about this time to check in on how the levels are going. It's eight to one. Have you seen the new lamb ad yet? This year, the annual campaign funded by Meat and Livestock Australia's producer levy shows ordinary people being disappeared to a desert wasteland for any offences deemed un-Australian. Let's take a listen. What are you here for? Tried to eat a meat pie with these. Don't know the words to K-San. Charged him a dollar for tomato sauce. <coughs> what is this? Where am I? <coughs> Man, how's that unastrap? All I said was, bon appetit. Beautiful day, lamb, doesn't get any better than this. I'm Graham Yardy and I'm the domestic market manager for Meat and Livestock Australia. The idea behind the ad really is, you know, lamb, it's such a fantastic meat. It's the only meat that really brings people together. And we know that, you know, obviously the aroma and the taste and it's hard to resist the smell of lamb when it's cooking in a house and we know that it's such a great sharing thing and it really does bring people together and every year we we look for something topical but we also think about well what are the things that are keeping people apart and what can lamb do to um 
to help, I guess, uh, break down those barriers. And this year, we we focused on this idea about calling things un-Australian. And, and what we found out was really, it's got, it, it's really out of hand. You know, we've obviously seen it used in politics. We've seen it used in general parlance, but we've really seen how calling something un-Australian sort of is, is actually quite divisive and tries to separate us and for some way sort of say we're not worthy of the term Australian. And so I think we decided to poke fun at the ridiculousness of, of calling it and really work out that we're actually all doing things that someone could call out un-Australian. And we also found out that actually a lot of people have been called un-Australian for things they're doing. There's been a number of challenges for livestock producers in Australia and lamb producers with flooding and, and weather conditions. But you know, at the same time, lamb prices went up quite a lot last year too and have been hearing from consumers that are choosing uh, other types of meat just with the cost of living rising. How much do you think this ad campaign might help to get more people to choose lamb? Without a doubt, we're all feeling those pressures in all aspects of our lives these days. But, you know, I think where this ad comes to play is that we always set out to really remind people about why lamb is so great. And we have the best product in the world. It's, you know, amazingly produced in some of the, the best country in the in the world. And, and that quality really comes through and it's something that our lamb producers are, are really proud of and should be as well. Meat and Livestock Australia's domestic market manager, Graham Yardy. So what do people in the industry think about the lamb ad? Pastoralist David Farley from Narracourt in South Australia says the ads usually catch his attention. I'm probably not very social media savvy. I'm a bit unusual for a 44-year-old farmer. I'm probably not on any social media and things like that. So when I've got some spare time, I'll probably just go onto the MLA website. If I'm looking at some livestock prices, I'll just sort of see it there and go on it from there. He says prices for quality lamb have remained strong in the last six months. The demand for, I think that the lamb seems to be very good and good quality lamb is really about quality, seems to sell very much and that's sort of the, aim, the end that we're sort of aimed at and that we sort of sell to some sort of more specialised markets and those markets don't seem to be affected much at all, whereas more of our older sheep seem to be more affected, like any, any cull sheep and things like that, the markets really come right back. Narracourt pastoralist David Farley. Brett Gerbhardt is a butcher in South Australia's Riverland. He says he usually sees a spike in sales after the annual lamb ad airs. You know, the Sam Kakovich uh, ads that always seem to pop up just before Australia Day, everyone loves them and they are very controversial. It's great to see those ads come through and, and always get a bit of a smile on your face because it does, it stimulates everybody's thoughts when it comes to barbecuing and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. He says more shoppers are choosing secondary cuts of lamb amid cost of living pressures. Looking back a lot of years ago, it was just a lamb roast on a Sunday um, and you know even the byproducts like lamb shanks were thrown out to the animals outside, the dogs outside and the lamb flaps. Now everybody's, you know, we can't keep up. We wish lamb had probably 10 legs instead of four because there's just not enough lamb shanks to go around because the change and the trends of people's eating habits. And, uh, and, and I guess, yeah, again, it comes down to a lot of the familiarisation with what gets put on television and how people perceive certain cuts now, which were secondary cuts, have now become very, very popular. What are some of the secondary cuts that have risen in popularity? Well, speaking of the shanks and the breast, obviously the flaps, it's a bit similar to, I know we're talking lamb, but it's very similar to when you do a breakdown of a, of a, of a beef. You know, like brisket was not so much even sought after back in those days. Now everything, everybody's into low and slow. So even the, the cuts from a lamb's chest plate can be done so well that it's almost like it, it becomes a, a gourmet product. 
That's Riverland Butcher Brett Gebhardt. He was ending the story by Eliza Berlage with additional reporting from Elsie Ardemo. And you can see the MLA lamb ad on all of the typical Australian lamb social pages. It is worth a watch. And if that got you hungry, I want you to tell me what you have for your smoko. If there's something that's rolled out at smoko time in particular that gets you pretty keen, 0487 991057. We're going to be talking about smoko a little bit later today. So let me know what you like to see for your smoko. Two to one, mango picking is ramping up in Western Australia's Gascoigne region with the number of trays hitting the Perth markets finally starting to pick up. Carnarvon mango farmer Eddie Smith is busy picking and he says a new technique he's trialled on the farm this year is paying off. We tried something we haven't done before this year. We've bagged a lot of fruit as much as we could, which is... uh, proven to be a positive. We haven't lost as much fruit as I expected to lose to burn events. So that's been a, that's been a big plus in the quality of the fruit coming out of the bags. To date has been quite good, so quite pleased with it. So can you describe a bit about what you did there in terms of the kind of bags you used and how many? We've put on a bit of well over 50,000 bags and they're just the plain old white confectionery bag which we pull over the fruit and staple in place. And what and what does that mean? It just means they're not getting sort of burnt and getting... They don't get the direct sunlight and they seem to come out of it. Well, I don't know if it's a fact but I, I've always noticed that the mangoes in the last two or three weeks in the maturing phase always seem to mark up quite a bit. Uh, they seem to be susceptible, very susceptible to marking at that stage. And these, the ones coming out of the bags are in very good condition. So I think there's a two-fold win with it, but it's a lot of work. And how are you going in terms of uh, workers at this time of the year? Uh, struggling a bit this year. There's still not the numbers of people around that there was. I'm not sure... You know, if that's ever going to really improve. But, uh, yeah, we're struggling a bit. Eddie Smith is a Carnarvon mango farmer. He was with Peter de Cruyff and supplies down 30% this year. News time. G'day, I'm Samantha Trott. I'm uh, Secretary and Fire Warden from Dundee Volunteer Bushfire Brigade. My husband is the captain. He's also a warden. And uh, we're both retired, but um, we've never been busier. And you're listening to The Country Hour. Hello, Michelle Stanley with you this afternoon. No cricket on today, it's not over. Just another washout at the SCG. Australia went off for four four for 475 earlier today and the radar in Sydney is lit up like a Christmas tree. So it is unlikely, but if play does resume, you will head back to the SCG on Analog Radio for the start of play. Don't hold your breath, though. This afternoon on the Country Hour, I want to have a bit of fun. It is a Friday. 0487991057 is the SMS. When you sit down and take your first break of the day, you know, you've been out in the paddock, it's hot and sweaty, you get back to the homestead, Smoko rolls out. What are you hoping to see? I'm on Smoko! So leave me alone, I'm on Smoko! My favourite Smoko is scones. Anything freshly baked, anything, and hopefully not by me, but if it is, probably scones with fresh cream and jam. My mother-in-law actually makes a really good pumpkin scone. (laughs) 
Gone seems to be the order of the day. What do you want for your smoko? Let me know. 0487 1057. I actually make my boyfriend a, a batch of pumpkin scones every week for his smoko. What do you like for yours? Uh, the Fitzgerald, so Dan Fitzgerald, the producer here, he said chocolate cake was always on the smoko menu for him. What's on the smoker menu at your place? 0487 1057. Let me know. You will uh, also head out to the paddock and take a look at some of the hay crops going in for the wet, but let's head to the Bureau of Meteorology first. Rebecca Patrick, I won't ask you now, but I might ask you later on about smoko, so um, start thinking about that. Let's instead talk about rainfall. Um, how much have we had in the last 24 hours? Yeah, so... Um it has been a bit variable across the territory over the last 24 hours. We did have a couple of pretty large rainfall um, reports over, um, particularly overnight. So Bailey's Grave in the Carpentaria district um, cracked the century, to use a cricket analogy, 101 millimetres there, and also Rabbit Flat in the Tanami district was 99 Oh, millimetres. 99 and out. What a shame. Yeah, didn't quite get there. But, Rabbit um, Flat's had um, topped the, the charts earlier this week as well, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think it was the highest yesterday as well. So um, has been getting a fair bit of rainfall across the, the Tanami district. But um, yeah, it's mainly due to a trough that's been sitting over that area for pretty much a week, I'd say. Um, so we have been getting pretty consistent thunderstorm activity in a line associated with that trough over um, recent days um, and expecting that to fire up again today with thunderstorms again through that northern Tanami, um, northern Barclay area to the Carpentaria district um, with potential for heavy falls again from those thunderstorms. The, um, the radar looks pretty, um, yeah, there's a lot going on anyway in the top end. Is the rainfall likely to continue for the next day or so in the north? Yeah, so we're still getting that monsoonal um, shower and storm activity across the top end. Um, so, yeah, expecting that to continue over the next 24 hours or so, but we are expecting a weakening trend um, from around Sunday or Monday. Um, so we'll be expecting... Um, a little bit less rainfall, a little bit less frequent activity moving across, um, particularly next week where we are expecting that we might see the um, the monsoon uh, starting to break down as well. So, um, yeah, this is perhaps a little bit of a last hurrah. All right, the, the laundry might dry if you're lucky. Um, now, we heard earlier from Adrian Costa that it had been the wettest wet season to date in more than 80 years of record keeping. Is that the case? What, what, have, what kind of records have we seen at the Bureau? Yeah, if you'd asked me yesterday, I would have said yes, it was the, the wettest. This is for, for Darwin I'm looking at. Um, as of today, it's, I think, the second wettest. But, oh, um, but yesterday it was. <laughs> today, yeah. Um, we just had that sl little downtick of, of rainfall um, that's put us down again. But um, certainly we've, we've seen about double what we would normally see uh, by this time of year. So we've definitely had a really good start to the wet season and that's... Um, been yeah pretty much across the board um, across the top end and and through uh, central districts as well we've seen definitely elevated rainfall um, for the start of the wet.
That's likely to continue as well with ex-tropical cyclone Ellie turning back around and heading for the Territory. What do we expect from her at this stage? Yeah, at this stage, um, uh, that low is sitting over the southern Kimberley. It is making its way back towards the Territory today. Um, We have issued a severe weather warning um, for that system as it comes closer. Uh, We are expecting the rainfall and and the storms to be picking up particularly over the the Tanami district and also into the the northern Lassiter district um, later um, overnight tonight and into tomorrow um, so the risk of heavy falls associated with that as well as the possibility of damaging winds um, and we do have a flood watch out as well. Um, so as that low moves into the Tanami tomorrow, um, expecting some fairly heavy rainfall associated with that. Um, and that will extend a bit further to the southeast over the weekend as well. Um, so we do have a flood watch for um, a number of areas over the central and western inland parts of the Northern Territory. Um, so we could be seeing uh, rainfall um, getting up to 150 millimetres potentially tomorrow over the Tanami district and into the northern Lassiter district. So pretty significant rainfall expected across southern parts of the Territory. Yeah, and fingers crossed the roads remain open because at the moment we've been hearing that the transport to get into the East Kimberley where people are cut off there is going through... SA and the NT. So um, yeah, keep an eye on those roads as well. Um, For coastal waters for anyone game this weekend, what are they going to be like? Yeah, so coastal waters, we do still have um, warnings current um, for for them as well. So uh, we do have strong winds off the west coast. So those winds getting up to 20 to 30 knots. uh, that's the west and northwesterly winds and um, we've got the season swell getting up to about 2.5 metres as well so pretty significantly choppy out that way. Um, off the north coast it's getting up to about 25 knots um, so still pretty choppy, not very pleasant to be out in the boat um, and in the Gulf of Carpentaria the northern areas are getting up to 25 knots and maybe just a little bit less in the southern Gulf, um, but yeah, that could be picking up uh, across the weekend a little. Very good. Thank you for that, Rebecca. Now, a question semi without notice. Uh, Smoko, what do you have for your morning tea? Uh, these days I, I try to be a bit healthy and just have some nuts and dried fruit and that sort of thing. Which but is if a you bit could boring. have something, if you if you weren't thinking about you know <laughs> calories or budget or anything, what would you order? Well, if I was going sweet, I'd probably go the chocolate cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mum's chocolate cake was a ripper. Thank you for that, Rebecca <laughs> Patrick from the Bureau of Meteorology. Oh, I would love. A piece of my mum's chocolate cake. Mum, if you're listening, send some to Darwin, would you? Uh, we've had a text on 0487 991057. Uh, Ged says, goes hopefully a cup of tea and a, a, a smoke, a cigarette. He was always told, if you don't smoke, you keep working. That would bring people to smoke, I reckon. That's a terror. Smoko needs to be for everyone. It's not just about the cigarette. Thank you for that. If you want to get in touch today, 0487 991057. Let me know what you have for Smoko. We'll be celebrating the humble Smoko a little bit later today. 
14 past one. Now, with some breaks in the rain this week, farmers in Catherine, in the Catherine region, have been racing to put in their wet season hay crops. At Carbine Park, southwest of Catherine, the team is planting about 400 hectares of cavalcade hay this year, which is destined for the local feed mill to make pellets for livestock. Munro Hardy took our reporter Max Rowley for a walk through a freshly seeded paddock to see how the crop was looking. Yeah, so we're here in our hay paddocks now in, in our northern end where we've been seeding some cavalcade. Um, the last couple of months we've just been preparing this ground, getting it ready for seeding and uh, sort of fighting the seasons at the moment. Um, we've been consolidating gear from around the territory from a few different blocks that we operate. And here, this uh, pocket of country hasn't been been farmed for a bit of, a bit of time now. Uh, so we did a bit of work with this. We've um, cultivated and we've, we've run a, uh, a speed tiller through this section here that we're looking at. And now we've seeded this with cab and we've had a really good response. We got on it just between Christmas and New Year um, and then following that we had that big rain which has been hanging around for the last week but having a really good response which you can see here. So this is already seeded here? Correct, yeah, yeah. So you can see coming up here there's our cavalcade. In less than a week, yeah, it's already shooting up for five, yeah, five centimetres or so. Two yeah. inches there, yeah, something like that. Yep, it's looking really good. Plenty of moisture in the soil there and we've got plenty of organic matter as you can see because um, this was cut earlier in the year. Uh, and then we have had to spray this as well, this grass that was coming through. So we've we've given the grass a knockdown, um, and now we've we've seeded this cab into that. So the cab will get above the grass, but the roots of that grass and the the dead grass there as well gives us some really good organic matter in the soil there. So moving forward, we hope we'll have a a really good crop of this cavalcade. And how do you know when to plant? What kind of conditions are you looking for? Yeah, I mean that's just a seasonal thing for us. So we're <laughs> watching closely the weather, um, obviously the weather channels and and uh, what programs we can use to, to make the most informed decision we can. But uh, this year it sort of snuck up on us just after Christmas there. We, we've got sort of three-quarters of the way through this hay bay here. This is all seeded. Um, but then obviously we have to pull up when it gets really wet. But, yeah, we, we haven't had rain since yesterday, no rain today. Um, and this is looking really good now. We'll be able to get back on top of this um, as soon as we can. We'll get that seeder out here and we'll keep going. So you're just chasing a, a dry window to get the tractor out in the field? Absolutely, yeah, that's it for us. I mean, um, we had that, that big rain. We had 130 mil here just before New Year's. Um, we've had about an inch of rain every day since, but leading up to that as well, we were sort of getting anywhere from 10 mils to an inch every day, but even with an inch overnight by 9 o'clock in the morning, this country was right to get back on and we could keep seeding. Um, so, it's yeah, it's it's really good. This It's quite a bit of sand here, which is draining soil, but... It's, it's looking really good at this stage. And what do you need from here to, to get a good crop of cavalcade? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll follow along. Um, we've still got quite a bit to do um, with a few other lease blocks that we've got. But by the end of January, we should have all of our crops in. And then it's a, a measure of uh, monitoring, I guess. Over the next few months, we'll, over this broadleaf, this cavalcade, we'll probably run another spray through here just to give that grass another knock so the cav can get on top and get away. And then, yeah, we'll just work with our agronomists. Um, they'll come out occasionally through the through the next few months and keep an eye on things, make sure that we give this cab the best chance that it can to get ahead. 
There's been some rising input costs over the past year, fertiliser, diesel, all those sorts of things. Uh, What does that mean for a crop like this? Yeah, well, look, for us, I suppose, taking on this country recently, um, this year or last year now, sorry, uh, it's essential for us because this soil is quite deplete. There wasn't much in here when we took our samples, so we need to put some fertiliser in here this year for this calf to get up, um, and we had quite a bit of grass and a few woody weeds to spray out. So we've we've had to get the chemicals in to, to give it that first knockdown. And then going forward, we'll, we'll put our fert out a couple of times through the year. But hopefully moving forward, we're really looking at sort of best practice and, and soil health. So we, even though growing hay, you know, we're not going to be able to leave much behind. We want to give it the best chance we can to keep that organic matter in the soil and increase that microbial activity as well. So we want to leave a good ground cover here to hopefully over time reduce our inputs over the years as we've got this. And where is this hay headed once it's uh, once you've cut it? Well, we've got the the pellet mill in Catherine um, with National Feed Co. So that's the idea behind behind having the lease here at Carbine is to grow some of the hay that we'll require at the mill. And with a, with with Carbine and and a bit of other country, we we should be able to provide quite a bit of hay for our for for our operation there. What we need, but this cavalcade we're growing one because it's going to help us tidy up this country here with the with the grass and and some of the the unwanted grasses that we've got here we'll be able to get on top of but we've chosen cavalcade because it's a really good hay for us to process through the mill it's a nice soft hay that the hammer mill can deal with easily but it also makes a beautiful pellet nice consistent sort of quality pellet that cattle love it's got that good cab flavor it's got that good green color as well so um, a good product for us through the mill and it's already growing, you know, so quickly as as you can see. Uh, this is less than a week ago planted. Yeah, yeah, it'd be uh, well five days ago now. Yeah, five days. What do you think this field will look like in, in a month or two? Well, if uh, if we get a bit of sunshine on these solar panels here now, um, we've sort of got two leaves on each of these cab plants, I reckon, or a couple. Um, I hope they're going to get right up on top of this grass that we can see here and choke that out, um, and. Uh, yeah, we'll be away. She's uh, quite a, a viney crop, so it'll thicken up in no time, I reckon, mate. It'll be a sea of green, hopefully. Sea of green, indeed. We'll have to go out and check it out again. That's Munro Hardy. He's the man- managing the cropping and cattle operations at Carbine Park, southwest of Catherine. And we're speaking with Max Rowley. We're talking Smoko next. If you could order anything for Smoko, what would it be? Zero four eight seven double nine one zero five seven. This is Troy Cassidaly and Adam Harvey. It's called Mama Tried. Adam Harvey and Troy Cassidaly, Mama Tried. You're listening to the Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. We've been talking about Smoko today, that mid-morning break between brekkie and lunch. Might be called recess if you're at school or morning tea in the office, but for tradies and those on the land, it's Smoko, 0487 1057. I want to hear what you order for Smoko. What's your go-to? What do you love when it rolls out? Lucy Cooper headed to the bush to find out what Aussies are enjoying for their Smoko break. The term smoko can be traced as early as 1865 and is believed to have originated from the British Merchant Navy, with the term mainly used for Navy workers and sheep shearers. In recent years, it has been brought to international attention with the widely popular song by Aussie band The Chats. 
degrees. The Queensland harsh summer heat. I'm in sweating buckets up and down my street. There's there I spy the bloke. Perched the top of his milk crate throne. He eyed me off as I approached. And then he said, I'm on smoke. But what is smoko for those who partake in it every day out on the land? Smoko is like the time between breakfast and lunch. But it's also like when you get to sit down and talk shit for half an hour and just like eat as much as possible, feel sick and then go back to work. Yeah, just a morning break to pull up for 10 minutes and have a spell and something to eat and get put a bit of fuel in the tank and go again. Mogo is the big feed you have when you miss out on breakfast and you know you're going to lunch, so you need to have a big smoker. Now that we have a good idea of what smoko is, what do graziers and farmers enjoy on their very important mid-morning break? Uh, yeah, Jay Hughes here from Richmond, Kenham Downs, and my favourite smoko is scones. I suppose my nana used to make them and that, so we probably sort of grew up with that sort of stuff when we were kids, so yeah. I like the jam first and then cream last, yeah. Definitely goes down pretty good. Hi, my name's Ruth Chaplin. I live on Wanberg Station just outside of Cloncurry in northwest Queensland. And my favourite thing for Smoko would have to be anything freshly baked. Anything. And hopefully not by me, but if it is, probably scones with fresh cream and jam. My mother-in-law actually makes a really good pumpkin scone. But, no, I think it's just, um, yeah, it's just something. They last a while. So, yeah, scones are a go-to. Hi, my name's Lachlan Smith. I'm from McKinlay, and my favourite smoko is raspberry freons. I actually cook them myself, so, yeah, I love them. I quite like baking, mainly because I like eating. My name is Shani Allpass. I'm the manager at Maydown Station in Mount Isa. Um, and my favourite thing for smoko is uh, either pizza scrolls or sushi. Our cook is... She's a legend. She makes sushi for us. My name's Alistair Allpass. I'm also a manager at Maydowns. Uh, and my favourite is smoker. It'd have to be fresh scones. Moving with the times, smoker is now less associated with a cigarette break and rather a chance to recharge for the day. For Central Queensland grazier Adam Coffey, his recharge comes in only one form, just as his surname suggests. Oh, look, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Now, and I cough a fair bit of flack for it, but I bought a coffee machine oh, like six or seven years ago, I reckon, and, yeah, I just I crank out that flat white. You know, smoke a coffee, and good coffee, not instant, you know. And any perfect food item? Can't beat a sausage roll, can you? Do you get a sausage roll often? No. <laughs> I dream about it. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> if any politician is going to provide a definition of smoko, it would be federal member for Kennedy... Bob Catter. It's a reason why we shouldn't work for a fair proportion of the day. Um, when I had ringers working on St Francis, they believed smoko should last for 20 hours a day. And Bob's go-to smoko? It's just as weird as you might think it would be. Tea with condensed milk and uh, a slice of toast um, with some little bit of butter on it. That's about it. That's smoko. My best mate, Ronnie Purse, he usually hits it with a bit of OP rum. You know, he. when I say how far is it from Georgetown to uh, our station property, um, he says about 11 stubbies. It's a tradition in rural Australia and clearly not one bushy ever misses out on it. Smoko means you can catch your breath, hydrate 
and prep yourself for the rest of the day. It's also an opportunity to fuel up, which is vital for things like mustering when you don't know what time lunch might be or if you even get to it. Yeah, name's Ray Fleming at Broadlands and McKinlay and I like uh, home brand fruitcakes, my favourite for smoko. My name's Navanka Muller. We're on Moronan Station, halfway between McKinlay and Cloncurry. I'd say banana and walnut cake and always tea and coffee with it, yes. That's George Muller from Moronan Station. Favourite thing for smoko is probably a cool meat sandwich, a cup of tea as well. Peter Hall, Cloncurry. My favourite smoker. Well, I'm a bit of a hungry gubbin bugger, so they're all pretty good. I guess if something came out and thought it would be a hot corned beef sandwich. Smoker's normally a bit early for beer, so <laughs> we'll go for the coffee. In the wise words of the chats, I'm on Smoko, so leave me alone. Australian band, the chats, ending that report from Lucy Cooper. So plenty of scones on the table for Smoko around Australia. I reckon it's my mum's chalky cake or maybe Dan Fitzgerald's mum's chocolate cake by the sounds. That sounds pretty good too. Maybe even fruit cake or Christmas cake. I got spoiled with some good Chrissy cake over the break. With all that chat, I am now going to go have some lunch because I'm pretty hungry hearing about that. It's been great to catch up with you this week. We'll be back with you on the Country Hour from half past 12 on Monday. Have a safe and enjoyable weekend. We'll catch you then. Listener.